Well, good morning. Merry Christmas to you all. I can see a few tired and a few happy faces mixed. Uh, it's a bit of a crazy morning, isn't it? Uh, I feel for your parents this morning uh, and your smiling kids next to you looking tired. Uh, it's a great contrast this morning. Uh, but it is a great time of year, isn't it, Christmas? Uh, I, I love looking at some of the old nostalgic things we have around the place come Christmas time. Uh, actually, I wonder if you've noticed that nativity scenes around the place are getting a little bit smaller these days. We've got one, uh, but over the years, we've lost some of the figures, and so it's looking a little bit ordinary. We lost Joseph a few years ago, uh, unfortunately for Joseph. Uh, we lost the shepherds, so they don't feature. Uh, and it started to look quite small, and so my sister and I, we were up at my parents' place a couple of weeks ago, we thought we'd, we'd do something about that. So there's a picture of it on the screen. We found some other figurines around the house. And if we zoom in, uh, there it is. There's the nativity scene. Uh, now, if you zoom in a little bit closer, we didn't realise this at the time. It's actually, I don't know what that is, whether that's a fox or a rabbit or a possum. But it's a little bit creepy, isn't it? it when, you, when you try and fill the nativity scene with other things, it starts to get a little bit too much. Uh, so we'll take that off the screen. Uh, but there's another nativity scene that I have seen around the place. It's at Birkenhead Point Shopping Centre which is pretty hectic at this time of year. Uh, But in the shopping centre, there's this really big mural for the year of the pig. I wonder if you've seen it. It's it's an extraordinary piece of art. Uh, There's a picture on the screen of it. Uh, The year of the pig, the Chinese year of the pig is 2019, did you know? The mural is, is quite an extraordinarily long piece of art. But what you might not notice is next to it, near the toilet, is a little nativity scene. There it is. Now, you'd only notice that at Birkenhead Point if you really needed to go, I think. But, you know, if you, if you do need to go, uh, you will see it. And it's a little bit of a, a silhouette, isn't it? It's kind of hard to make out what it actually is. And I reckon that's pretty telling for what most Australians view of Christmas. We kind of put Jesus somewhere. We can't leave him out completely, but he's a little bit vague. He's kind of a white silhouette somewhere near the toilets uh, at Christmas. Now, I wonder if that's your view of Jesus, that he's kind of, we want to put him there, but we're not really sure what to do with him. And we're not exactly sure what colour everything should be, so we'll just paint it white and have a nice bit of artwork near the toilets. Now, I take it, though, that the reason that the year of the pig gets the whole wall and the little baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph get the toilets is because nobody's particularly offended by the year of the pig. But almost everybody's offended by the little nativity scene, when you understand it properly. It's actually deeply offensive, the story of Jesus. And all I want to do for us today is show us some of the claims that the Bible makes about Jesus, uh, how big and significant they are. And then I just want to suggest to you this morning that those claims actually require a response from us. There's lots of different ways we could respond, but they're so significant what the Bible says about Jesus, that it actually requires us to respond. Now, here's the thing, though. I don't think it matters a whole lot to Jesus whether he's actually at the centre of the shopping centre. I don't think Jesus would mind. I don't even think Jesus would care a whole lot if he's at the centre of a Christmas holiday. But the thing that Jesus, I'm convinced, does care about is whether he's at the centre of your life. That's what really matters. That's what we're going to see this morning. Is Jesus at the centre of your life is a much more important question to God than whether he's at the centre of a holiday. 
Now, there's some really big claims, though, that Jesus, uh, that's made about Jesus in our story. Have a look down there at Luke chapter 1. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary and makes some extraordinary claims. One of the claims is Jesus is God's king, who was promised about a thousand years before. The, the king in the line of King David, the one who would come, who would reign forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, that is an extraordinary claim about this little baby, that he would be the king. Not only that, but the angel says to Mary that this one would be the Holy One of God, the Son of God, which if you keep reading through Luke, that claim is actually that Jesus is himself God, that he is God come to earth as a man. Now, that's extraordinary, isn't it, when you grasp hold of how big that claim is. And the other thing is that the name Jesus actually means saviour. And so the angel here is giving us a clue about what kind of king Jesus will be. He's not just a king who's going to come and triumph over God's enemies. He's actually the king who's come to save, to save his people. We're going to see that in a minute. But I want to pause there and suggest they are huge claims. They are extraordinary. And we need to figure out what to do with them. But a fair question is, how will this be? Now, that's Mary's question, isn't it? Verse 34. How will this be, she asks. For for Mary, it's a bit more pointed, isn't it? The angel comes and says, you're going to have a baby. And Mary says, how's that going to happen? I'm a virgin. Go figure. How's this going to happen, God? How's this going to be? But Mary's question actually is a whole lot bigger then how will this baby come about in my womb? Actually, Mary's question is bigger than that because how, how is all this going to happen? How is God's king going to come to earth? How is it that he is God himself? That's a reasonable question, isn't it? How is all this going to happen? Now, for us, we get the benefit of looking back as the Bible explains how all that's going to happen. So you can imagine being Mary, can't you? And the angel says, you're going to have a baby, and she's just thinking, oh my goodness... My whole life's just turned upside down and she has no idea what's going to happen. She just has to trust God. But for us, we actually get to look at Luke's account and I do encourage you to read through the book of Luke because Luke does answer how that will happen. We see it in the Bible that Jesus grows up and as he is a man, he's going to go to one mission. He grew up, he was born for one mission, which was to die. To die for the sins of of everybody. And it's in his death on the cross that we actually realise why God has come to earth. Because you and I, the Bible says, we've turned our backs on God. We've ignored him. Which is actually a very significant problem because we are facing God's judgement unless something is done about it. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to die to save us from our sins. Because as Jesus dies... He takes our sin on himself on the cross. Which means that if we trust in him, extraordinarily, there there is forgiveness of sins. If we trust in Jesus. That is what God came to do. He didn't come to triumph over his enemies, he came to die for them. Because you and I are God's enemies. Which means that like Mary, we have found favour with God. That's what the angel says to Mary. Greetings, Mary, highly favoured of God. It's, it's not nothing special in Mary that she would find favour with God. There's nothing extraordinary in Mary, although 
Granted, she is the only woman in the whole world who can be called the mother of the Son of God. That's pretty extraordinary, isn't it? There's nobody else with that title. But that extraordinariness comes from God, doesn't it? God chose Mary. That's what's extraordinary, that God would bother to send Jesus to die for us. And you know, there's nothing extraordinary the Bible says about me or you either. We've all actually managed to do a very good job at mucking up our relationship with God and with other people. There's nothing extraordinary about me except that God died for us and that he wants a relationship with you. Now that is extraordinary. But God is extraordinary, isn't he? And the wonderful news is God actually today, his favour will find you if you would take it. That God wants you to come and trust in him and have a relationship with him. That's what it means for God's favour, his kindness to come to you. That is what God has done. Now, there's lots of different ways you could respond to that news, isn't there? But I want to say, if this isn't true, if this story that we've just read is is actually a fairy tale, then it has no place in the shopping centre at all, does it? It doesn't even deserve to be near the toilets. That's too kind for it, if this is wrong. It's actually a deeply offensive story. Think about it. These claims are too big for this to be a cutesy story. If this is a lie, we need to get it out of the shopping centre. And actually it has no place if this didn't happen. And I wonder if you're here this morning and that's your view of Jesus, that you don't want him to have any place in your life. Can I encourage you, if that is you this morning, to not make that decision based on second-hand information. To not make that decision based on ideas that you've heard, to actually come and take the time and investigate. It's really important we actually come and consider the claims of Jesus. They are far too important to ignore. And I want to urge you this morning, please reconsider if that's where you're at because God, the Bible says, loves you. He loves you enough to send his son to die for you. And the good news is I'm convinced that this isn't a lie that it really happened. Jesus really is God and he really did come to save. Now, if it is true, something important to consider, if Jesus doesn't deserve just Christmas and Easter, does he, or a few Sundays a year, so if Jesus died for us, he deserves our whole life, doesn't he? There's no halfway with these claims. They're too big. That Jesus is God himself come to save Jesus deserves either our all or nothing. That's the claims of the Bible. Now, that is how important it is to figure out how we will respond. There's lots of different ways, but I want to suggest Mary's response to you, that if this is true, this is a very appropriate response. And again, I'm persuaded there's really good evidence that Jesus is God, that he came to die and came to save. But here's Mary's response. She says this to the angel, I am the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. Now there's two components there for Mary's response. is that she trusts God and she lives for him. So she trusts God and says, may these things be as you have said. I'm going to trust that you'll come through on your promises. And she says, I am the Lord's servant. I'm going to live for you. Now for Mary, that is an extraordinary thing to do, isn't it? You've just been told you're going to have a baby, you're a virgin, you're not married, uh, and actually this is going to be God. 
of the baby that you're going to have in your womb. And she just says, okay. Now, I don't know if I could do that. Uh, Amazing. But I'm really glad we're not in the position of Mary. See, we actually know what God has done. We're not waiting for God to come through on his promises. He has come through. Jesus has already died for your sins. He rose again. He is the king. We look back and if you would take it, if you would trust in him, the offer is there for you this morning for forgiveness and a relationship with God. Will you trust in what he's done and will you live for him as your king? Now, if that is something that you'd like to do this morning, it's a very appropriate response if this is true, isn't it? I'm actually going to guide us through how you might respond in that way just by talking to God in a minute. It's just a simple prayer of sorry, thank you, please. And if that's something you'd like to do this morning, you're very welcome to echo those words in the quietness of your own mind. To say to God, look, I'm sorry that I've I've turned my back on you. Thank you that Jesus has forgiven me. Please help me to live with him as my king. Now, as we finish, I'm going to do that now. Uh, And will you pray with me? Our Father, we are sorry that we've turned our backs on you. Lord, please forgive us. Thank you so much that you sent Jesus to die for our sins, that we might have a relationship with you. Thank you that you have forgiven us if we put our trust in you. Thank you for the assurance that it is already done, that there is nothing further needed. Please help us to live with Jesus as our King. Amen.